Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It almost inevitably happens when I go to make visits, uh, especially to, uh, to the elderly or uh, shut-ins or grandparents, my grandparents, that, that one thing will come up in our discussion, and they'll say something like, I just don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why God has kept me here. And they're thinking after the many years they've been alive and thinking back to the early years, especially when uh, they were productive and able to accomplish many things, and now they might have a, a lack of ability compared to what they used to have. They might have less friends compared to what they used to have. They probably even have less family compared to what they used to have. And all that combines to give a sense of aimlessness, of purposelessness. Sometimes I'll even hear things like, I've been here too long already. I just want to go home. I'm ready. Now, now there's two things going on here. Now, the second, wanting to be with Jesus, home in heaven, is a good thing. Uh, but that comes along with the first, that it's all in God's time. It's not a mistake that God has kept you or anyone else here. And today, as we're getting ready to take another year off of the ever-moving passage of time, uh, we can learn something from two aged individuals. <clears throat> we might call them veterans at waiting, Simeon and Anna, both in our gospel lesson. Our account jumps right into Simeon's dialogue with Mary and Joseph, uh, this is 40 days after Jesus is born. Jesus is still a baby. Uh, Mary and Joseph have brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple and offer a sacrifice. And there at the temple, they meet Simeon. The Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And we don't know how old he was, uh, but we presume that Simeon had been waiting a very long time for God's promise to finally bear fruit and be fulfilled. After years of hoping, when Simeon saw Jesus, he, he took him in his, hand, in his arms, he held him in his hands, and he thanked God. Simeon sang then what we know as the Nunc Dimittis, beautiful words that we sing weekly after receiving the Lord Jesus in our arms in his holy communion, uh, but beautiful words that have been on the lips and, and mouths of many Christians just before their own death. Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation. And Simeon blessed Jesus' parents and said to Mary that Jesus would cause many people to rise and to fall. Many people would rise, but many would also fall in unbelief. And one day he said a sword would pierce her own soul too. Simeon turns into a prophet. We can almost imagine Simeon seeing the crucifixion with Mary standing at the base of the cross with sorrow filling her heart and her soul. She's watching what any mother dreads, the death of her son. Simeon prophesies the cross. The most unsightly, offensive, terrible thing that's ever happened on earth, the death of God. 
And then Simeon says this. He says, at this, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And what he means is that there's only two responses a person could have at the cross, either faith or unbelief. And the cross will reveal which. St. Paul says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And for most people, the only thing they see in the cross is foolishness. There's no power there, only weakness. A God not even strong enough to save himself. There's no salvation there, only death. There's no glory there, only suffering. And this doesn't just apply to the cross, but to your crosses, our crosses as well. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Except he doesn't tell us what those crosses will be, what sort of difficulties you and I will experience or have to endure because or for the sake of Christ or just because we live in a sinful world. But he does tell us to expect them. And again, there's only two responses a person could have at the cross either faith or unbelief. So I could look at my cross, what I might have to endure or suffer. Uh, maybe it's a debilitating disease or injury or death uh, or loneliness or, or just difficulty in life. And my initial reaction is to try to find some meaning or purpose in it, to find a silver lining. But I might not be able to. And even if I do, a silver lining is not as good as a whole plate of silver. I might covet someone else's life, especially uh, the life I see them post online on social media. And so I end up misbelieving and I, and I fall into despair, shame, doubt, or vice. We find no power, salvation, or glory in suffering. With the thoughts of our hearts turned inward, we find only pain, death, and weakness. We want to be independent and we can't stand the thought of not being independent. And so we lose all sense of purpose. Soon we don't even bother to wonder why God has kept me here. We, we doubt that we should be here at all. And we doubt the goodness of God in anything. We think God has made a mistake. The thoughts of our hearts are revealed to be un, in, in unbelief. But the second response to the cross is faith. St. Luke, after giving us Simeon's prophecy, tells us about Anna. Anna is like Luke's illustration of the theological point Simeon had just made. And Luke tells us that Anna was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow of 84 years. So either Anna was now 84 years old and had been a widow uh, after only being married seven years, or perhaps more likely is that she had been a widow for 84 years which makes her very old, as Luke says, probably around 105 or 110. Old, but not impossibly old. Uh, but either way, the death of a spouse is a big cross to bear, and 84 years is a long time to bear it. Luke says that when she saw the child Christ, she gave thanks, and she spoke of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's a key phrase that we shouldn't miss. The redemption of Jerusalem. You know, we're almost too familiar with Jesus' title of Redeemer. 
But redemption was a vital part of life in ancient Israel, a daily life, especially for widows like Anna. In ancient Israel, only men could own a home or property or goods or livestock. Uh, now, that makes for a beautiful picture in marriage where, where brides bring nothing but themselves but receive everything from their groom. But on the other hand, for women whose husbands die, it means they are now without a home or property or any way to make a living. There was a provision, though. In those cases, the deceased husband's brother were, uh, was to take the widow to be his wife. And he would be called the kinsman redeemer, the next of kin to redeem or buy back, uh, in a sense, his brother's widow. But if there is no brother, or if he's already married, or doesn't want to take her, well, now there's a real problem. Think of Ruth in the Old Testament, whose husband Elimelech died, and she decides to go with Naomi, even though uh, she has nothing and little hope of anyone to redeem her. Boaz, who is a cousin of Elimelech, and was under no obligation to take her to be his wife. Yet he shows mercy and love, and in taking her, Boaz becomes her redeemer. But for women who had no redeemer, often the authorities would have everything taken away from them, and they'd be left homeless. And the church then would become a literal sanctuary for these redeemerless women. Such is the case of Anna. But Luke says she did not leave the temple complex since she was worshiping with fasting and prayers night and day. She reminds us of her namesake, Hannah, in the Old Testament. And what does Anna do in the face of the cross? In the face of death, after losing home, property, everything? What response does she have in the face of lifelong suffering? She worships. She worships, she fasts, and she prays. And how beautiful this is. That when Jesus comes in the temple at 40 days old where she is, she recognizes him to be her redeemer. In Advent, we heard a few times how Christ is our bridegroom and what it means for those in a relationship, what it means for those who are single, and, and now we see what it means for those who are widowed. For Anna... Christ becomes her true bridegroom, her redeemer. She lived by his word and promise every day in the temple, and by his promise, she is redeemed. And then what does she do? She spoke of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. God's grace allowed her to be fruitful in telling others about his love. She spoke of Jesus to all others who, like her, probably other widows, looked for hope and redemption. True redemption is found in Jesus. Now, she didn't get everything back, but she got something better, a redeemer, an eternal redeemer. You've memorized this from the second article of the Creed and the Catechism, I think. He redeems me not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death in order that I might be his own, like a bride to her husband, live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. 
Because Jesus is the world's redeemer, we now get to live with him, like a bride going to live with her groom. So what purpose did Anna have? What purpose did her suffering have? Well, I don't know if we can speak or should speak in terms of purpose, but her patience in enduring her suffering, her, her cross, is an example for us to persevere, that we endure, and that Jesus is with us to endure it. In her cross, we see her weakness and her suffering, yes. We also see the power and the glory and the redemption of God. By her, you know of your Redeemer, and you call him your Redeemer. After all, without the cross, there is no redemption. Without sin and suffering, we wouldn't know that we needed a Redeemer. The cross is how you know that you are redeemed. It's true for your own cross. Your own cross, whatever burdens God permits you to endure for the sake of Christ, is one way that you know that you are redeemed and loved. So to wonder at your purpose and why God has kept you here, to wonder about your life and, and your life this next year, is a biblical attitude. The Psalms of Lament do this very thing. But how we, how we respond to that is important, either with faith or with unbelief. But faith, not merely that God will work everything out. He will. He will, even if it means that you die and you go to heaven. But rather, faith in the righteousness and the redemption of Jesus. Because he is your redeemer. Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, never shall be, forevermore. Amen.